you know, it's just so cool. I, I, you know, these last few years I've been able to come to BNYC, but I've never been able to bring the whole family and, and just want to show them to you because you guys, God just brought me so much joy through them. And it's just, it's just amazing what God's done in, in, in my life. And just uh, like I was sharing that first night, you know, to have these little girls that I'm just crazy about and to think that God thinks that way about me, it's just amazing. It's an amazing thought. But honestly, my life hasn't always been like this. I mean, I look at life right now and I'm kind of blown away. I, I'm still kind of in shock that I've got this little family here and I've got a little boy coming and I've got all this stuff going on, everything's so good in the home, everything's so good in the church. But honestly, it hasn't been like that my whole life. And, and I don't expect it to be this good the rest of my life. I mean, I know trials are gonna come. That's a part of life. Jesus even promises. He says, in this world, you will have pain. That's a promise he made. In this world, you're gonna have trials. And I remember back in my life, just during my seminary years, just going through a time where, you guys, I had never, I was never a person to be depressed. Okay, I never had a ton of joy, but I was never a depressed person. I would cry, you know, when I was in high school, little things would happen here or there. And I'd cry for maybe, you know, a few minutes, but I'd get over it. And I didn't really understand people who got so sad. And then, and then it happened to me. Um, I remember there was a time in my life when, you guys, life was so difficult. And I remember just laying down on the ground and just bawling for days straight where I just thought, man, I, I, I don't know if you've ever hurt so badly that, uh, that you feel it inside, like you physically feel like your body's falling apart because it hurts so bad. See, I'd never experienced anything like that. And I remember being tempted and thinking, you know, maybe I should just get rid of this pain somehow. You know, maybe, maybe through drinking or, or maybe through drugs. Or, you know, I even, for, for a while there, it crossed my mind, maybe I should end my life. Because I just want to end this pain. I'm tired of hurting. And I don't know if you've ever felt like that and actually went through a, a time in life where the pain was so bad. Some of you know what I'm talking about, and, and you know what? Everyone will know what I'm talking about, because in this world, you will have pain. Jesus promises that. And I remember for me, I, I, during that period, it was over a girl, of course, and um, man, but I had the ring, we were going to get engaged and everything else, and long story, I mean, it just, it just ended, and it just, I, I just thought, this, this is it. I couldn't believe it. And I never understood that because, you know, I was a youth pastor at the time. And I remember guys, high school guys used to come in my office and they'd be bawling, going, oh, my girlfriend broke up with me. You know, and I'd be like, big deal, get another one. You know, and I never, I never really got it. I just thought, you know, what's a big deal? But then when it happens to you, you know, and, it, and it's so serious and you start losing it, you just think, man, I am going to lose it. You guys, there was a passage of scripture that helped me through. And I, I believe that this is the toughest passage of Scripture to apply in the Bible. And, and you may not get it. You may not need it right now. But I hope you really get this message and understand this passage. Because I tell you, for some of you, this could, this could save your life. It's James chapter 1, verse 2, which I believe is the most difficult verse in the Bible to apply. In James chapter 1, verse 2, he says this. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. 
Hey, think about this. He says, consider it pure joy. That means just absolute, huge, perfect joy. When you are surrounded, and the word for surrounded was the idea of a person standing in a circle and having all these people that were getting ready to jump him, just mob him. He, sa he says, you know, consider it joy when you're standing there and you've got trials all around your life and you feel like life is about to crash down on you. He goes, when that happens, consider it pure joy. You know, I read that and I go, are you kidding me? That I'm supposed to consider it pure joy when, it, when, when life is full of trials? I don't know about you, but I consider it pure joy when I have no trials, right? I mean, that's when he's going, yeah, life is good right now. Everything is together. I mean, that's kind of the way I feel right now. I look at this family, I look at my life, I go, man, this is pure joy. And the Bible says, no, no. When you're surrounded by trials, that's when you should count it pure joy. Consider it pure joy. And I look at that, I go, wow, how do you do that? How do you do that? I mean, some of you in this room, I know, have experienced pain that I can't even understand. I mean, I talk to high school students everywhere, and, and I'm blown away by what some of you have gone through already and are going through right now. You know, and I remember being in high school and, and sitting at a, at a conference and just thinking, man, I just don't want to go home. I don't want this to end because I knew what my home life was like. And it's like, man, I just hated. I hated when conferences ended and I hated the thought of going back to my house. And I know some of you are going through that right now, just going, man, this is such a great break, but I know reality is going to hit. And the Bible says to consider it pure joy when you're surrounded by these trials, but then he explains how you can do this. Consider it pure joy, he says, verse three, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. He says that this is the testing of your faith. If you're going through a hard time right now, he says your faith is being tested. And I love this phrase, tested, because the word tested was a word that they would use when they were testing silver. Like a silversmith would put a bunch of silver in a pot and, and he would have this huge flame and they would fire up the silver to where it would melt and it would heat up. And when silver heats up, all of the impurities, all of the dross, they call it, would rise to the top. And so then the silversmith would get this uh, scooper thing. I don't know what it looked like, like I know. Um, and he'd scoop all of this dross, all that top layer off. And then what he would do is he would heat up the silver again, the same silver. And what happened was more dross would rise to the top. This time there was less. But he'd scoop that off and he'd heat it up again. And he would do this over and over again. Each time there was less junk that rose to the surface. And the only way a silversmith could tell that his silver was tested or pure was he could look down at that pot of silver and see his own reflection. And when he could see himself in the silver, he would know that silver's been tested. See, I love that picture because the Bible says that's what God does to us when he puts us through trials. He says it's a testing process. You see, when God puts you through the fire, what happens when you go through hard times is that's when all the junk, all of the sin in your life rises to the surface. Man, when you're going through a hard time, that's a time when you start going, man, you know what? Maybe I should just sin so that I have some sort of pleasure. 
Maybe I should rebel against God now. This is where all the temptation to be angry at God, to hate God, to question God, it all rises to the surface where, man, that was like me. I just remember going through that period. You know, this girl, God, why are you doing this to me? Do you even hear me? All of these things rise to the surface, all the junk in your life. Man, I tell you, it is so hard to live a holy life when you're going through the hard times because that's when you go, you know what, I'm just going to, if God's going to do that to me, then I'm, I'm done living a holy life. And all those temptations rise to the surface. And God says, if you would just resist that and let me clean off that top layer, all of that junk, if you could just resist it, take it off and actually have joy, he goes, I'm testing you, I'm cleansing you. And do you understand the passage? What God's hope is, is that he's going to test us over and over in life till we become more pure because the goal is, is that one day he could look down at me and see his own reflection and see himself in me. And then he'll know he's been tested, he's been purified. Through the trial, he's become more and more like I am. He says, you've you got to find joy in the trials because that's the time when God is testing you, purifying you. And he says, by doing that, it develops this strength, this perseverance in you. That's why if you, if you meet some, some elderly people that have really gone through a lot of trials and stuck close to God, those are the most pure people on this earth. You ever met people like that? They've just been through so much in life and, and yet they've kept their walk with the Lord. And those people are like just pure gold. There's a depth to them. There's a perseverance about them that you don't find in people who have had an easy life. See, and the Bible says in verse 4, he says that perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Oh, I love this verse. Because he says this process is so that you would become mature and complete. Is that even a desire of yours to be complete and mature? See, this verse is telling me that God is concerned about what you are going to be like at the end of your life. He's concerned about the end process, the completion. It's kind of like, it's kind of like a, when you bake a cake. How many of you have baked a cake before? Okay, good. Almost everyone. Now, when you bake a cake... What are some of the ingredients in a cake? The, the cake powder, eggs, good, flour, sugar, baking soda, oil, butter, what? Milk, yeast. Okay, now stop. Okay, we'll stop right there. Okay, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about these ingredients. Let's say you're baking a cake and you get all these ingredients out. Okay, first you pull out the flour. And what if you took some, it took like a spoonful, like a tablespoonful of flour, you stuck it in your mouth. You go, ooh, that tastes terrible. I, I'm going to keep that out. And then you, you, you take a cube of butter and you cut it in half and just suck on half of it. Oh. And you go, wow, that, that's really gross. I'm going to keep that out. You know, and then you take some baking soda and suck on that and go, oh, that's gross. You know, and you crack an egg open, you, you suck on that and swallow it and go, oh, 
and, and with all these ingredients, you go, man, that doesn't taste good. I'm not putting that in. That doesn't taste good. I'm not putting that in. That doesn't taste good. I, I'm not putting that in. Pretty soon you're just going to have a bowl of sugar, right? <laughs> but when you bake the cake, you don't think about that. What you do is you grab all these ingredients, even though they don't taste good, you mix it all together, you know, you put it in a thing, and you stick it in the oven, and then out comes this completed cake. That's all you care about. You don't care about each ingredient. You care about mixing it all together and what comes out, the completion, the maturity. What is the end product? In the same way, what that verse is saying is that God is going to throw a bunch of ingredients in your life. And a lot of them aren't going to taste good. A lot of things are going to happen. You're going, God, why are you doing that to me? Why are you sticking that in my life? Why are you sticking that in my life? And God's saying, no, just let it happen. Let it happen. Let me test you through this. Because at the end of your life, I'm concerned about the end product. I'm concerned about who you are at the end of your life, and you need some of these ingredients. I know they don't taste good. I know they're not enjoyable, but you, I, I'm creating you into something. And I'm concerned about that end result, that you truly are mature, complete, holy, that I can look down and see myself. And he says, trials is how you get to this point of completion. See, here's the problem. The problem is that most of us don't care to be complete. We don't care to be this holy, mature, complete person at the end of our lives. We just want to be happy all the time. God wants us to be holy and we just want to be happy. And you know what? Sometimes those two don't come together. I, I mean, honestly, think about this. If Jesus Christ... It came here in the flesh today and stood up here in front of everyone and said, listen, I'll give you guys a choice this year. For the rest of 2005, I'll let every single person in this room choose their destiny. For the rest of the year, he goes, you can have choice one or choice two. Choice one is, for the rest of this year, this is what I'll do. I'll let everything you want to happen will happen. You'll have no pain for the rest of the year. Everything's going to go your way. School, friends, relationships, sports, hobbies, everything's just going to be smooth. Parents, everything. That's choice one. And he says, but at the end of the year, you and I won't be any closer. You won't be anything more like me, but you will have had a fun year. Or you can choose choice number two. Choice number two is for the rest of 2005, I'm going to make things a little difficult. You're going to go through some trials. You're going to be tested. And during that time, you're going to cling to me. You're going to hold on to me. And you're going to fight. And I'm going to cleanse some of this junk out of your life. And I'm going to make you more mature. It's going to be a tough year. But at the end of it, you and I will be so much closer. And you'll look so much more like my father. If he gave you honestly, think about it. If God gave you that choice today and said, you want choice one or choice two for the rest of 2005, I want you to think in your own mind, honestly, what would you choose? 
You see, if your desire really is, I want to be like Christ at any cost, I want that holiness, then you would say, okay, God, if I need trials and that's what's going to bring me close to you and purify me and make me more complete, the person you wanted me to be, then go for it. You see, it's only when you have that mentality that you can apply, verse 2, that you can consider it joy. When you go through trials, you're going, okay, this is painful, but I'm clinging to God. I am getting closer to him. This is going to mature me. This is going to complete me. That's how you can have joy. But if your mindset is, no, I just want life to be easy and comfortable, and what are all these trials? You know, you're not going to get it. But, but, you know, you can read these passages and go, oh, okay, now that makes sense. Like some of you guys are reading and go, okay, that makes sense. And it's easy now if you're not going through trials. Like right now, I can read this and go, oh, that makes all the sense in the world. But it's when you're going through the pain that it's hard to think this clearly, huh? It's hard to go, oh, okay, thank you for this. And that's why verse 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom... He should ask God who gives generously to all without finding faults, and it will be given to him. See, that verse, a lot of times we take out of context. If any of you lacks wisdom, you know, God's going to give you generously. And so you get to school and you forgot to study for the test. You go, oh, James 1.5. God, give me wisdom, you know. Just, just. But that's not what this is talking about. It's in the context of trials. When you're going through a hard time and you don't have the wisdom to see that this is something that could bring you joy, that this is a good thing that's completing you, as painful as it is that God can use you to purify, he goes, in that case, then during those times pray and beg God for wisdom. But, But the prayer isn't this prayer of God, if you're there, listen to me. The prayer is one where you believe. You see, because in the next verse, in verse 6, he says, But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. He says, when you ask, you got to believe. You can't say, God, where are you? You don't say, God, if you're there, listen to me. Because if you doubt him, you're not going to get an answer. You guys, let me just say something. Okay, this passage, I believe it with all my heart. And it's not just because it's the word of God. But you guys, I've seen it in my own life. As I've shared before, my, my life hasn't been easy. Do, do you know that when my mom was pregnant with me, um, She was advised to terminate the pregnancy because she had so many complications with my older brother. They said, if you have this child, you may not make it. And my my mom chose to have me and said, you know, basically, I'll let God choose. And um, while my mom was giving birth to me, she died. And that's that's a pretty intense thought when I sit and I think, my mom died to put me on this earth. But it kind of stinks in some ways to think, man, I just grew up without a mom. My dad remarried. My dad remarried this, this wonderful woman. And she became my stepmom when I was like four years old. And, and suddenly I had a family again. I had a mom and a dad and a, a brother, sister, and a little half-sister. And, and, and things were good. 
until I was about eight or nine years old, and then my stepmother got in a car accident. She went off of a bridge and died. And my dad got married again. He gets married again, and then when I'm in junior high, and I was like, okay, I've got a family together. Things are somewhat normal. But then in junior high, my dad died of cancer. And so then I'm living with this third mother of mine. I, I'm going, what, what's going on in life? My only close relatives in high school were, were my uncle, uncle George and my Aunt Sandra. And then they got in a fight one day, and my uncle shot and killed my aunt, then stuck the gun to his own head and blew his brains out. So when I look at these passages, man, it's not a guy who hasn't been thrown some ingredients that he's going, what was that about? What was that? What is that about? It's a person that, that, that believes this passage, and now on the other side, I'm going, you know what, God? I could look back on all of that and honestly today say, thank you, God. That's matured me. That's completed me. I wouldn't be who I am today without all of that. And it was all thrown in the mix, and I'm going, God, I get it now. Man, I understand life is over in a second, and I don't take a day for granted. I don't take a session like this for granted. I'm like, God, I don't know. I don't know if I'll live to the end of this message. Let me say whatever I can. Because I've seen how life ends just like that. You have no idea what's going to come tomorrow. It's like, God, I, I look at my life now and how you put it all together. See, and that passage says, if you lack the wisdom, then pray to God. He goes, but don't doubt I tell you that one time in my life when I doubted God was during that time of depression. And, and I, I think of this passage where God says, man, don't you doubt me. And, and it's like this. It, it's almost like um, in Isaiah chapter 40, I, I, I think of this passage. Isaiah 40 verse 22, it says, it is he who sits above the vault of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. Okay? And I picture God sitting above the world, and all the people are like little grasshoppers. I didn't bring any grasshoppers with me. I don't know if anyone has any. But it, can you throw me something, anyone? Throw me something small that could work for a grasshopper. Anything. You just chuck it up here. You got anything? You got anything? Where'd I go? Oh, that's cool. A little blue grasshopper. Any, anything else? Yeah, what's that? Oh, perfect, two chapsticks. Um, that's perfect. Okay, it's, it's like this. Oh, a frog. Wow, that's cool. I don't want the blue guy. Whoa, hey, no, no, I'm good. I'm good with these two. Who is the blue guy? Okay, there you go. Um, here, give that to him. Okay, uh, a frog will work. We'll just use a grasshopper and frog. That's kind of the same thing. Now, here's, here's the thing. He says, he sits above the vaults of the earth, and he says his inhabitants are like grasshoppers. And you think, okay, what does a grasshopper really go through in a day? <laughs> he just doesn't really do anything. He just kind of hops from different leaves and eats uh, leaves. And uh, <laughs> let's say one day the grasshopper's hopping, and he goes through a trial. You know, oh, I ran into a book. You know, <laughs> and... And let's say, as he's going through the, this trial and I'm watching, okay, this is like, I'm sitting above his world. He goes, ah, I can't knock it over, I can't knock it over. You know, he finally looks at me and says, excuse me. <laughs> that's how they talk. 
I was wondering if you could move that book for me. And, uh, and, and what if he's trying? And he goes, I don't know if you're strong enough. And I'm going, I mean, you don't know if I'm strong enough. Of course I can knock it over. Are you doubting me? He goes, okay, I believe. You know, and, and he goes, okay, big strong guy, knock it over. And, uh, and what if I hold it up? You ever feel like uh, sometimes this is how your prayers feel? It's like you ask for something and you almost feel like you're getting the opposite of what you asked for. This is what I felt like. This is what I felt like when I, it was that girl, her name was Debbie. And, and I, was, I was like, God, give me Debbie. What are you doing? Give her back to me, you know? And, and it was like, I, I was getting so angry because it's like I, I'm just pounding against this wall because it seemed like the more I asked, the more he held it firm. You know, because I'm like, wait, now she has another boyfriend. Now she's engaged. Now she's getting married. I'm like, ah! You know, and I'm screaming, like, what are you doing to me here? Are you listening to me? And maybe this grasshopper, same type of thing. I said, knock it over, knock it over. You know, and then one day, this grasshopper says, fine. I'm not, I'll just walk around. And he hops around the book. And you know what he sees on the other side? his friend Luigi. <laughs> and he realizes, he goes, oh wow, if I had knocked that book over, I would have killed you, you know? And he, now there's a point to this. He, you see, he couldn't see the other side of the book, right? You know, he's just seeing this one obstacle, like I was, give me Debbie, give me Debbie, you know, and he, he's not realizing, well, if I give you, you don't want, you don't want this. If I, if, if I knock this and let you have your way, boom, bye-bye Luigi, you know? <laughs> you don't want that. And, but I'm sitting above the vaults of his earth and going, man, I'm seeing the other side. You see, in life, what God is saying, he says, man, you got to trust me. You can't doubt. I sit above the vault of the earth. I know your beginning. I, I know your past. I know your future. You, you're just looking at this one thing, and you're begging, 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 just like in my life. I'm going, God, give me Debbie, give me Debbie, give me And he says, you don't understand. I've got someone else on this other side. I can't give that to you because I, now I compare Debbie to, to Lisa, and I go, ew. You know, I just think, <laughs> you know, God. It's God saying, you know, this is what I've had for you. There's your chapstick. Um, you know, the, the whole thing is, is God saying, man, I see the other side. I see your future. Man, you look up here and you see this family, you know, together that I'm just crazy about. It's brought so much joy in my life. And man, if I had done it my way, when I, I, one of my biggest regrets is going through that time where I doubted God and questioned and go, you don't know what's best for me. You're not giving me what I... And he's saying, man, you don't see the other side. I see your whole life. I'm taking you through this process. You need to understand some pain because you're going to be teaching on this in front of thousands of high schoolers one day. He goes, you're going to need to understand death because you're going to be, you're going to be doing so many funerals. You're going, to be, you're going to be counseling people who lose their parents. And he's saying, you, you got to go through this. I'm, I'm completing you. I'm maturing you. And God says, you got to trust the process. Don't doubt. You doubt me, you're not going to receive anything. But let me cleanse you through this. And let me just close with this. The, the end of that passage really is in, in verse 12 of James 1, where he says, Blessed is the man 
who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he'll receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Because it's a very important verse. This sums it all up. He, he says, why, why am I talking about trials? Because you guys, I've, I've heard of so many people who walk away from God when life is difficult. Those who gave your lives to Jesus last night, guess what? Life's going to get tough. I used to think, okay, Lord, they came forward, make their lives wonderful, make everything perfect. And you know what would happen? Those same students would go home from camp, go home from conferences, and man, they'd face all these trials. I'm like, God, what, what's going on? I thought life should get better, more fun for them. And you realize the Bible says that once you become a believer, you've got an enemy. And that enemy is going to try to use those trials to get you to walk away. And that's why I'm speaking about this, because the Bible says, blessed are you. Blessed are the person who perseveres under trial. Because when he has stood the test, the same word for testing, once you've been tested and purified, he says, then you'll receive the crown of life, or the crown which is life, which is eternal life, in a place where there's no more pain, no more trials, nothing. If you can persevere, because he says, that is promised to those who, the Bible says, love him. Guys, I think that's such an interesting verse because listen to what it says. It says, blessed are you if you persevere because God gives a crown of life to those who, he doesn't say persevere. He says to those who love him. See, to me, that's saying that to love him is to persevere to truly love him. See, it's easy to love God when he gives you everything you want and enjoy. But are you able to love him through the trials? Or is that the time when you're just going to walk away, ditch your faith and say, forget you, God, you didn't give me what I wanted? Or is that the time when you prove your love to God? See, it's anyone can love God if he pours out everything for you. But can you love him through the hard times? The Bible says, blesses the person who can. Because that's the person who really loves him. And that's the person who receives the crown of life. Listen. Some of you are going to go through some serious trials. You're going to go, and maybe you're going through it right now. And I'm going to pray for you in a second. Because my prayer is that you don't walk away from God during those times. See, people walk away and they go, you know what? This doesn't work when life gets hard. This, this wasn't true. And I can understand that if this book said, hey, once you become a Christian, everything's going to be easy. Then you can say, okay, you know what? This was a lie. That's not what this book teaches. This book says when you start to follow God, look out. Satan's going to be after you. He's going to try to use these trials to discourage you. But the Bible says you, if your desire is really completion, maturity, then you can consider it pure joy. And you will hold on. And you'll be those blessed people, the Bible says, that will be with me in heaven. I'm going to pray for you right now. Because I know there will be a ton of trials in this room for a lot of you when you get home. Maybe even this week while you're here. And my prayer is that you really will persevere and love God through it and let him cleanse you through it so that you and I will receive the crown of life together. Would you bow your heads? Just close your eyes and 
with your heads bowed, remember who we're speaking to. Okay, I'm not just throwing a bunch of words in here. We're thinking about God in heaven right now on his throne with the lightning, the thunder, the fire, the, the angels, those beings screaming out his holiness. We're about to speak to him right now. So think about who I'm speaking to.